Alexander. Shabbat for three. Bingo! Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. He is hard to believe. Here's Jordan. What's going on guys? Welcome to another episode of Dime Dropper Western Conference Finals postgame recaps. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on YouTube at Dime Dropper Podcast, Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify, and of course, to follow us on all social media platforms at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Dime Dropper Pod. So, tonight... We're going to be talking about one game. I said I would watch a little bit of the Warriors-Mavs game 2, some of the tape back, but I didn't get a chance to do that, sadly. However, what I what I clearly saw was that in the second half, or the Mavs were making all their shot three-pointers in the first half of game 2, and in the second half, you saw the Curry flurry, you saw a little bit of Jordan Poole, Clay started making shots, and I saw Kevon Looney switching on a Luka and doing a really good job last uh, game in the second half. But I didn't watch it with... As I said in the last episode, I didn't get to watch it with the magnifying glass, you know, like I would normally at home. I was out. So this game, though, I watched very thoroughly. Game three, Warriors-Mavs. You already know how it is, Dime Dropper fan. When you're down 2 nothing in a series, that is must-win city. It was must-win city for Dallas, and they did not get it done. More than just not getting it done, I did not like the way they played basketball tonight. And I just don't like the way they play basketball in general, as you guys know. But tonight was particularly ugly, and I'm going to get into why. So let's start out with the starting, the starting lineup was no different than normal for either side. And the Dallas Mavericks, you know, I was trying to see how they would respond to the home crowd and all that against a team of this caliber. And I noticed in the beginning they were trying to put Steph in pick and roll. And the Warriors were not going to let switch uh, Steph switch onto Luka. They were hedging, recovering. He was just showing, recovering to his man. And a couple of times, Luka just didn't... And this was a, a consistent te- theme throughout the game. Luka didn't hit the screener on the little pick and pop a lot. Like the when it was a guard. You know, the Brunsons, the Dinwiddies, the Bullocks, these guys. He didn't trust his teammates as much as he usually does to me tonight. And maybe that was because it was a must-win situation. Or maybe I'm tripping and he always does this. And tonight I just noticed it more. But I don't think so. Tonight to me he was really holding on to the ball even more than he usually does. And I thought the Warriors do the first punch in this game. The Mavs were not switching the pick and rolls though. I, th- I saw that very early in the beginning. Uh, they were hedging and recovering. And Dwight Powell was dropping when he was putting the pick and rolls. All the guards though forwards that, couldn't, that weren't Reggie Bullock and Dorian Finney-Smith that can switch. You know, just showing and recovering. But the Warriors were doing a really good job. You already know how they do. Moving the ball, finding the open man, and getting guys in four-on-three situations. Guys like Draymond especially because they don't guard him. And he sets a lot of screens. And Draymond was making the right reads for the most part. Although sometimes still getting ridiculous with his, at times, allergy to shoot or allergy to look at the basket beyond the foul line. Um, Even though there were exceptions tonight. Don't think I'm going to forget about those. I'm just talking about in the beginning, first half. But... You know, Steph got to the basket early, got an and one. 
And I just thought the Warriors moved the ball really well to start the game. Guys like Kevon Looney, Andrew Wiggins were catching the ball uh, off cuts and around the basket and scoring. And you just, that comes from the Warriors' off-ball movement. That comes from also just playing pick-and-roll basketball and just uh, taking what the defense gives. And the Mavs are showing and recovering. Everybody on the Warriors can make plays. And Steph Curry is so good at making those, you know, initial passes to get you into four-on-three situations. A couple of times, too, the Warriors didn't make the obvious pass to the to the screener off the pick-and-roll. They would make a cross-court pass or pass to someone else to then make the next pass easier. And that's just higher IQ basketball. That's just being a little bit patient, but also just moving the ball quick. And that's something that I just can't stand watching the Dallas Mavericks play basketball. They don't move the ball quick. It's very slow. It's very watch Luka dribble until the last couple seconds. And then the possessions that Brunson does it, let's watch him dribble for a couple seconds. It's very take turnsy. And I think part of that is because Luka doesn't move without the ball at all. And I thought in the first quarter he missed a couple of chippies, but he also still was doing his thing. Like, Luka still was solid to me, but I just... It's probably just showing more because, as I always say, all your flaws show in the playoffs. And obviously, I'm not saying that I don't think Luka can lead a team to the cha- to a championship. He obviously doesn't have the help to do that. But there are still issues to me the way he plays. You're, you see his flaws when you lose. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? And one of that is just, I don't know if you can consider this a flaw, but I don't like the Le- – one of the reasons I'm harsher – It's people. some people think I hate LeBron. It's not that I hate LeBron. I just don't love this style of – Watching one guy dribble so much. It's not about shoot so much. It's about watching a guy dribble so much. And I'll get into why uh, after the, after I'm done talking about the specifics of the game. But, you know, you saw in the beginning, I just thought it was stagnant offense for the Mavs. They were still getting open shots because Luka will still create those open shots. But it's like end of the shot clock and maybe he and one other person, the person he passes to, have touched the ball in that possession. And... I'm not saying that everyone needs to touch the ball every time down the floor, but a lot of those possessions, and it adds up. It just kills rhythm and flow. You know, I I just think it just feels like like everyone's just a piece to the Luca show sometimes. At least, whatever, maybe I'm being harsh. I'll, I'll go into it in more depth after, but... The Mavs were 2 of 12 to start from deep, by the way. And a lot of those were open looks, Reggie Bullock in particular. You saw the, the Warriors also, and it's another reason why I'm actually stressing this. So the Dubs went to a zone, a 3-2 zone. We saw them play, a, play it a good amount in this game. I honestly thought they should have played it more. But I don't know. There's obviously this thing with NBA teams. They don't want to play zone for a full game or even a full quarter. Like It's just not, it's just not NBA defense. But the way that some of these teams play against zone in this era... Is ridiculous. Is pathetic. I honestly think teams should go to it more to just fuck them up. Mental. Take away that pick and roll, because when you when you run a pick and roll with the two three zone, you yeah you can screen the outside of the the top guys, the two top guys. You can screen one of them on the outside and hit the gaps. But the thing is, you got help coming because there's a guy sitting right there on the wing anyway. And when you go in the paint. There's usually the big man is closer because he's playing down low. Even though there's a defensive three-second count he has to worry about, he's still right there as opposed to when he's really playing a man. If a man is out on the three-point line, he's going to be closer to the three-point line than the paint. So with the zone, to me, that if, especially if you're doing a pick-and-pop, if you're doing a pick-and-pop, there's there's, remember, it's a 2-3 zone, so the other guy can take that man. And then you've got, in a pick-and-roll situation, the guy down low can take the roller as well. So I just, I'm not a fan of the continuing to just screen when you're playing against the zone. I think that I'm traditional, bro, move the ball. Ball moves faster than, than the, 
the player when they're dribbling. So move the freaking rock and get a guy in the high post that can make decisions. It's just like they make it look like such rocket science. You know what? Why not? If you're playing with Jalen Brunson and shooters, get Luka in the high post. But see, that would involve him being off the ball inside the three-point line, which he never does, and I noticed that very much tonight. So that was another thing I had a problem with with the Mavs in the first half. They did not move the ball when they were playing zone. It continued to play Luka ball, pound, 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 past the last second. Okay, Maxi Kleba. What if a guy has... The Warriors are very good at rotating. Very good and getting out to shooters and running them off the line, which, funny enough, even with the Mavericks shooting 45 threes tonight, the Warriors did a good job of actually kind of running them off the line, and these motherfuckers are allergic to mid-range, a lot of them. Allergic. Especially the role players. That's a big issue to me with today's league, is that only the real stars are good at mid-range. The role players are just 3 and D guys, but when someone runs them off the fucking line, they don't know what to do. They're looking around. It's either if they, it's either they go all the way to the basket, or they just look for someone else and they're not they're not a threat there in the mid-range area, in the in-between. It's just kind of gross to me. <laughs> it's just kind of gross. And Maxi Kleba is one of those guys. Reggie Bullock, I expected better shooting from him. He just he shot seven threes out of ten shots that he took, and he missed seven. And then another problem I have with today's league is, which to me this is bad fundamentals, but I guess there's being told this. When, you, when someone flies by and you pump fake them, Step into that mid-range. Not that side step for a three. Because it's if, a, if it's a guy with length or an athletic guy that has a good second jump, he can still get in the picture. Whereas when you pump it and step in, he's behind your ass. I was taught that. That's what I was taught by trainers. That I'm guessing taught the previous generation this. Because you see it in the NBA. And that shit pisses me off. Because it happens to my team too with various guys. And the Mavs, they just have all these... They're a modern team to the T, but they play so slow. I just checked the pace tonight in the uh, season. 30th out of 30. They play the slowest pace in the NBA. What does that tell you? Watch Luka do everything. Luka doesn't turn up the Jets. Have you ever seen him run before? I need to see a clip of Luka Doncic running. But... (laughs) Anyway, Luka hit a buzzer beater though the end of the first quarter. Jalen Brunson and Spencer Dinwiddie gave the Mavericks a huge lift in the second quarter. And the and the dubs were missing a lot of open threes. Steph, Wiggins, they had a chance to make the clay as well. They had a chance to make the game like a 10-point game, 12-point game at the fir- in the first quarter. But the the they kept because they were missing threes, they kept they have they kept the Mavs in it. Very much in it. You didn't even get. To, I don't even know if they, the Warriors got it to double digits. They may have gotten it to ten in the first half or something. But the Mavericks with Jalen Brunson and Spencer Dinwiddie did a really good job of getting back in the game and not only getting back in the game, taking the lead. Got like an eight to ten point lead. I remember in the second quarter, Brunson was doing his thing, going one on one, getting to the basket. He even scored on Steph, if I recall correctly, a couple times. And he just has a great spin move. He actually embraces the in-between game. He has a great floater. Spencer Dinwiddie was doing his thing, hitting threes, getting into the lane, runners. You know how Spencer does it. And that was the best stretch to me for the Mavericks. They outscored the Warriors 25-23 after two. But the reason why it looked so close was because the end of the second, we got a little bit of a Curry flurry. And... One of them was a contested 30-footer, I kid you not, on the left wing over Reggie Bullock. That was amazing. And then he hit the signature, Steph Curry, shoot the three, and turn before he even sees the ball go in. The utmost confidence, and it was splash. 
two straight threes. I also thought, as I said in the first half, I thought Luka was forcing it. He was still getting his buckets, still getting to the line, and still carrying for the Mavs. Carrying by design and by choice, uh, to me, not by necessity. Uh, in terms of the way that they play, I still think you can get guys, not not tonight in terms of Dinwiddie and Brunson, but I just think that it's more of a coach thing tonight to me than a Luka thing. But it's just this this style of play is just, I don't like it. But I'll get into more depth at the end. I keep saying that. I'm so, apologies for sounding repetitive with that. But Steph Curry flirted in the quarter. Dubs were switching the wings onto Luka. And I thought they were actually, even though Luka still shot efficiently, I thought Wiggins, Clay, even Looney, when the, the few times that he was asked to guard Luka, I thought, or to switch on a Luka, I should say, I thought they did a really good job. Everybody else, the Currys, the Pools, those guys, they were just showing and recovering. And that's just good game planning by the Golden State Warriors not giving Luka the easy mismatch. And that's the thing. If he's not going to get the easy mismatch one-on-one, that means he's going up against good defenders. Otherwise, he has to pass it off uh, on the roll to those guys or the pick and pop. And a lot of times he wasn't doing that. And part of it's because Reggie Bullock and Maxi Kleba were in the mud. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more in a second. But good defense, by solid defense by the Warriors. Andrew Wiggins, you already know who he is. But yeah, third quarter... So, by the way, score at halftime, 47-48 in favor of Golden State. One half needed. I'm I'm thinking Luka, you know, is going to take them home because obviously I had Warriors in seven, guys. So, I put a lot of stock and faith into the Mavs given this series, uh, given the Warriors a run. And they're not really done so. The third quarter was ugly for the Mavs in terms of offense especially. 30 to 21, the Warriors won this quarter. And it, that's not uh, surprising because it's third quarter Warriors. Always has been. They've picked up, this team has picked up on the same tendencies that they had, you know, before KD and during KD, before the, you know, the, before the last two years. And, and obviously they should because it's the same coach, same big three. Yeah, yeah. But still, they've had some changes. A lot of new guys have come in, you know, Wiggins, etc. Mavs, though, 21 points in the third. Again, it's just not moving the ball fast enough for me. A lot of Luka ball. Luka scoring a lot. Luka getting to the line a lot, but it's slow. There's no flow. It's just Reggie Bullock's getting the ball, end of the shot clock, shooting these threes with a lot of pressure on you. You know, it's not... Those shots, when you're only passing once or twice in a possession, those shots for a player feel bigger. The pressure grows. It's not free-flowing the way it is when you always move the ball and you're always touching the ball and you know your next shot's coming. The other one, you know you know you're going to get shots coming. But there could be a while before you get it because the, the the team that's guarding can throw – they can kind of dictate what they want in a way. They can throw a double at Luka and help off a certain guy, a certain guy like a Maxi Kleber that they know is not feeling himself. He's not confident. And in the third quarter, you saw that more than anything, that Maxi Kleba, the guy who against Utah was hitting everything, was scared to shoot. He missed his first three threes, missed his first four shots. And he's been shooting poorly. Somebody quote tweeted me and said he's shooting like 33% in his last five games, I believe, from three. And yeah, oh, he only shot threes, I'm sorry. And he missed all five. And I remember after the third or fourth, this dude was just looking afraid to shoot. He was scared. He was going to, and when he was going to the mid-range, he wasn't shooting, as I said. He was allergic. And then you have him stepping, you know, back. His heel is out of bounds. Just rattled. And Reggie Bullock. Missing three after three, not making one shot. I mean, here's the thing, guys. I talk about rhythm and all that, and 
how I feel as though it's always better for pros to touch the ball, but you know, Reggie Bullock is only out there to shoot, catch, and shoot threes. You got to know your role. You're going to know that sometimes you're not going to touch the ball for a little minute. For a little minute, you don't have anything else off the bounce, so you're going to have to hit your shots. And he didn't hit any of his shots, and that was brutal for the Mavs because in a lot of the games that they've won in this playoffs, Reggie Bullock has hit his three. But he still did some good things defensively too, Reggie. It still was a bad game for him though because you got to make shots. He's out there to do that. Dorian Finney-Smith was solid, though, in terms of making shots. Three for seven from the field and two for five from three. But still, he still was allergic to the mid-range as well to me. You know, only two twos. They shot 45 threes. Do you, want to me, do you want to know how many twos they shot? 30. They shot more threes than twos. The Warriors shot 81 shots, only 32 threes. So 50 more, you know, 49 more twos and threes I mean of course they had a higher percentage shots and of course they won it's it's just because again they can they can dictate things they can collapse on Luka and force him to kick last second especially when Luka's dribbling so much but Steph started cooking in the third quarter Uh, you saw Draymond finishing around the basket when he got his chances he was finishing his layups which was good I know that sounds funny finishing his layups but hey with Draymond on offense these days you gotta ask for the bare minimum he even hit a shot from the top of the key foot was on the line but when he hit that put the Warriors up by seven and I started to think that the Warriors were gonna start pulling away Klay Thompson he was five for five five for 15 at one point but he Started playing better in the second half, particularly the fourth quarter. And the Dallas Mavericks started falling behind. One guy, though, I have purposely not talked about this offensively, or or I have purposely not talked about this guy really yet in terms of his offense, but Andrew Wiggins, don't think I'm about to forget. The work that this guy was doing on both ends of the floor, especially the glass, him and Kevon Looney, all playoffs long. We talked about it so much against Memphis, and we've also talked about it in this series. What they've been doing on the glass is nothing short of fantastic for the Warriors. Andrew Wiggins getting offensive rebound after offensive rebound, and it's not only just him just going for it, but just being in the right place at the right time and just hustling more than the Mavs players. The Mavs guys are just standing around like Spencer Dinwiddie, Luka, you know, half-ass box out, not jumping for the ball, not even boxing out sometimes, losing track of their man, just getting ready to get back and transition, get on offense. Andrew Wiggins is not quitting on any play. (laughs) Every shot goes up, he's going for it. And you got to put a body on his ass. Same with Looney. That's what Looney's out there for, to set screens, to get him second-chance opportunities. And you know what great teams do with second-chance opportunities? Make you pay. You can't give a team this many offensive, uh, some, this many second-chance looks. And they've done it all series. And especially when they go, you know, part of that is something they need to address in the summer. And they're gonna, I bet, with the better center. Because Dwight Powell doesn't get the job done. He never can stay on the court. He only played eight minutes. Then you go to Maxi Kleba, who was not only just in his own head. The one thing he did well was some good verticality at the rim. But he don't rebound enough. Uh, four rebounds, not going to cut it. Nobody besides Luka got five rebounds. He had 11 of them. And a lot of those, if we're being honest, are all of them are defensive rebounds. You know, just poachers, long misses, just waiting for it. Like He had some nice box outs, but... It's not 
the Warriors' offensive rebounds, the, the Wiggins rebounds, the Looney rebounds, those are not only just right place, right time, going for it, timing, and wanting it. Andrew Wiggins is playing hungry, very hungry. He's proven a point to everybody. And I noticed in the third quarter, too, and I did not like this strategy, but I think that Jason Kidd was like, man, the Warriors are just moving the ball well, getting open threes. They're cutting off the ball. They just, you know, one time Draymond had a fake handoff with Steph, and they ran at Steph. Draymond had a red carpet run to the basket for a dunk. So that's just what Steph, his, his, the attention that he draws, the gravity, as they say. I'm sorry, I just don't use that term because it makes me think of Isaac Newton. <laughs> but... Anyways, you already know what I'm talking about. Luca. The other thing too about Luca off the ball. Not only does he move at all, and he stands behind the three. He's. I don't. I think he's. I would love to see the numbers on this, but he's broke catching shooting from three. It's when he's off the dribble from deep that he hits. But he's just. It's just. He's not good off the ball. So why put him off the ball? You know what I'm saying? He's not showing any chops. They just don't move without the ball. And another thing about the Dallas Mavericks, oh my God, in the fourth quarter too, especially it showed, they don't cut. Have they ever heard of a cut? They stand behind the three-point line when the ball's on the, you know, the guys on the weak side will stand at the three-point line when not, like, there's, the guy has nowhere to go. You're going to make him do a cross-court pass when he's double-teamed? And it's not, I'm not just talking about Luke. I'm talking about anybody on their team. Their, their off-ball awareness and IQ is just abysmal. They don't make life easier for their teammates a lot of times. The Warriors, they're, it's like the best off-ball team in the league versus maybe the worst. They're pretty dog shit. Like the Lakers were, it's Laker level, honestly. And they play so slow. So slow. My goodness. And funny enough, Luka was still doing a, a good amount of Luca things to keep them in the game, to keep them within striking distance. You got a little, a little bit more clay in the fourth quarter hitting shots, but it was really the Stephen Wiggins show. And Wiggins yammed on Luca, and they called an offensive foul, but it got me out of my seat like not very many dunks have in this playoffs. Oh, my God. He baptized that man. It was ridiculous. And the funny part is, even though they called an offensive foul, the very next player, uh, I don't know if it was the next player, a couple plays later, he had a putback dunk with Luka guarding him uh, with the left hand. It was so impressive. He was just unbelievable. Unbelievable. There was also one rebound he got, offensive rebound, with like a, it felt like 0.7 seconds left on the shot clock or something when he got it, and it was a backbreaker on like an air ball. He just worked that much harder than any player on the court, especially on the Mavs. I mean, Luca, he started to look gassed. And that's what happens when you carry so much responsibility. And, you know, he's been carrying it all season. Every And then obviously in the last series, through seven games. And the thing about the Warriors, what I loved, they made him work on defense. That was the best part. And in the fourth quarter, you saw Steph put him in some, you know, nice Indian curry. Chicken curry, because oof, blow by city. And a lot of times it looked like just Luca wasn't even trying, just reaching. And another thing about Luca, and this is why I say all your flaws come out against great teams in, in the playoffs when you lose the emotions. That's something you're not going to see in the statue. You look at this box score, Luca looked amazing tonight. I thought he had a tough night. I thought he was still good, like solid. You know, he did his Luca thing. You give him a chance. If Reggie Bullock and what's his name had made shots, they could have won the game. Maxi Kleba and Reggie Bullock had made shots, but. 
you as the best player are held to a high standard, and Luka is arguably the best player in the NBA now to me. He, well, not really, but he's right there. He's right in that conversation. He's top five. So if we're holding him to top five standards, you got to look at everything, every aspect of his game, and there's negatives there. There's negatives there, as there are for every player. But, you know, more for, there's, you know, there's levels. And right now he's young. He's in a 99th percentile of guys this good when they're this young. I mean, he is one of the best of all time at this age. But he loses his, and I think he knows about it too. He's, he has a, I love Luca off the court. Like he's very, very uh, humble to me. And he has the good kind of arrogance though, but on the court. But he seems very humble off the court. And I love his, he gives really good answers. And he really has a high basketball IQ. The one thing I don't get though is off ball movement and his constant ball dominance that he can try to adjust. Maybe he, just, maybe he just doesn't trust his teammates. That's always a dilemma. And you know, he's getting tired because the Warriors are also putting him in the action. They didn't want to just hedge and recover. They switched and Steph Curry was just blowing by him for fun. But yeah, Andrew Wiggins offensive boards. The real story of the game, guys, is the offensive glass. Like that's really the story of the game, the story of the series. The Warriors, you know, Steph made big plays, but they didn't really make it a very close game at the end. They basically broke even in the fourth quarter. Mavs outscored the Warriors 32-31, but the Dallas Mavericks drop it at home to go down 3 games to nothing, 100 to 109 at the American Airlines Center. And that's basically it for their season because no team has ever come back from three nothing down. I'm definitely gonna pro- I'm definitely gonna be wrong. It's not gonna be Warriors in seven. If they win three games, that'd be insane. But to me, Luca looks tired. They look exhausted. The Warriors are gonna finish them and get the brooms out. Let's see if how much pride Luca has. Like if he can do it like Jokic and get a game. But I don't know. And people are starting to ask, you know, how bad was Phoenix? Man, Phoenix. You guys should look in the mirror, but matchups are a thing as well in the playoffs, and we have to account for that. Let's talk about the stat lines before I get into my concluding thoughts about the way that these motherfuckers play. The Warriors first. 47% from the field. 34.4% from deep, 11 on eleven for 32. And they show up from the line, 88%, 22 for 25 what was interesting about the dubs, and I forgot to mention this as I was going through the game, in the second quarter, Moses Moody and Juan Toscano Anderson played minutes. Juan Toscano played five minutes, and Moses Moody played 16. No Kaminga, coach's decision. No Bielitsa, coach's decision. No Damian Lee, coach's decision. And I was pretty surprised that, and also Otto Porter got injured uh, in the middle of the game. He just didn't feel good, went to the locker room, only played seven minutes. So that's part of why Moses Moody played more. Uh, Moses Moody was minus 12. Juan Toscano was minus 7. It just, those were some weird minutes. But the starters played pretty heavy minutes. Looney played 29. He had 9 points, 12 rebounds, 4 assists. 4 of those were offensive rebounds on 3 for 4 shooting. I thought he was awesome. And he's had such a great series. Honestly, he's had a great postseason. And he played 82 games this season. So shout out to Kevon Looney. We got to give him some flowers. Jordan Poole actually had a more quiet game tonight in terms of shooting the ball. He played 28 minutes, but only got four shots off. Two two of them made. All of them were threes. He got to the line four times, made all four shots, had 10 points, five rebounds, pretty efficient, two steals. He didn't see him play as much, too, because I think they didn't, they knew Luka was going to go at him and pick and roll. And that was smart coaching, of course, by Kerr and his staff. 
And then the other four guys, Clay, Steph, Draymond, and Wiggs, all played 37-plus minutes, starting with Draymond, who I thought, despite what I said about his shooting thing, I thought he had a really solid game. He still made great plays, hustle plays, um, good passes, and played better in the second half to me. 10 points for him, 5 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals, a block, 3 turnovers. He was plus 19, 5 for 10 from the field, and did not shoot a 3. Clay Thompson, he had a tough shooting night. 19 points, 6 for 18 shooting, 3 for 10 from deep, 4 for 4 from the line, 7 rebounds, 3 assists. But he didn't turn the ball over, and I thought he had some good defensive plays as well. He had some good possessions on Luka. I thought he was good. And Clay's just overall, considering what he's been through, I think he's had a really solid postseason. I think all things considered, to say that he's been this solid, how far off has he really been than a normal postseason? I'd have to look at those numbers. But yes, he's obviously not as good as those last postseasons. It's, that's normal on the eye test. But he's been really solid. And then my player of the game, probably. I'll give it to Steph. 31 points, 5 rebounds, 11 assists. Was awesome passing the ball, doing what he what he's capable of doing, people just don't realize that Steph sometimes just makes the unselfish play, which is to not touch the ball at all in a possession or to just move without the ball or make the hockey assist. He doesn't care about the stats, which I love. 31 points, 5 rebounds, 11 assists, 3 turnovers, 10 for 20, 50%, and 50% from 3, 5 for 10. And the degree of difficulty on some of those shots were just ridiculous. That's Steph Curry, man. And Steph Curry right now, to me, still looking like that best player in the series. Sorry, I just like the way he... The off the ball. Luka could probably take a shitty team further or an average team further. I agree. But on championship team, I want the experienced guy that's been there, done that, that moves without the ball extremely well, makes every single person around him better, doesn't limit anyone's game. I mean, better defender too. Steph's just, and it's, it's normal. This is Steph Curry, one of the 15 best players ever, top 20 for sure to me. Luka is young. He's literally younger than me. So... The fact that Luca is making this even a conversation just a testament how great Luca is. Anyway, Andrew Wiggins, who you could easily argue was the player of the game, and <laughs> the way things are going, he may get the Magic Trophy. I hope Steph wins it just because, you know, this, everybody's been holding that Finals MVP against him for so long. But who cares about the Western Conference Finals MVP? Even though I, res- you know, I'm a big Magic and Larry guy. 27 points for Wiggins, 11 rebounds, 6 of those offensive rebounds, 3 assists, no turnovers, 11 for 20. He was 1 of 5 from deep, but just he was scoring on cuts, dunks. He even had a jump hook to start the, the second half. It was unbelievable. Just unbelievable. And then the, the Mavs. Frank Nilakina came in for 4 minutes. They weren't even guarding him. He missed one shot, took him out. Then the rest, Davis Bertans, 13 minutes. Talk about a guy allergic to the mid-range. He had one dunk to cut the game down to six in the fourth quarter. And Jeff Van Gundy said that's his second, or Stan Van Gundy said that's his second two that he's made this, or attempted this whole playoffs. And he's made both because they're probably chippies at the rim. Like, I guarantee you guys run Bertans off the line. And they did tonight, and he doesn't. How great of a shooter are you if you can only shoot beyond the arc? Seriously. That's not basketball to me. Like Just only shooting behind the arc? That's their only skill? Whatever. <laughs> I sound so frustrated. Maxi Kleba. Oh, man. Donut City. 0 for 5. 0 for 5 from 3. Looked like scared. Shook. Dwight Powell. 8 minutes. They... 
You know what's funny? I just want to say something as well. In the 2020 playoffs, I heard people, Mavs fans on Twitter, and some people say, we didn't have Dwight Powell, and then Porzingis missed a couple games. Please. I won't ever want to hear that excuse ever again. Okay? And I think now, Dallas Mavericks fans, you're about to lose this series, but Dallas Mavericks fans, you should have a little bit more appreciation for the Clippers in terms of that we were a good team, and you guys are also a solid team, and Luka's a generational player, but we were just better than you. We had two stars, and we have Kawhi Leonard, who's better than Luka. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know about right now, but the last two years, I'm taking him because he'll guard Luka. Luka, he can't guard Kawhi, okay? he got to sit down right now. He's got to sit down. And last series, game, uh, last year, game six, Kawhi Leonard. I think you know the rest, Dallas Mavericks fans. And game seven, I was there. The famous quote, send these motherfuckers home. And these motherfuckers about to get sent home again. And Dwight Powell will is part of the reason why. Because he just doesn't really affect the game at all. And he needs to be a backup player. They were also going with Finney Smith at the five. That's part of the reason why they got cooked on the glass. Going small as shit. Finney Smith at the five. By the way, rebounding numbers overall for the game. 33 for Dallas. 47 for the Dubs. 14 offensive rebounds. And 18 second chance points that were shown at one at very late in the game. It could have been 20 in the end, but 18 at least. So, actually I can look that up. What am I thinking? Oh, I guess not. I guess ESPN doesn't have second chance points. Fucking weirdos. Anyway... Starters for the Dallas Mavericks outside of Powell, the ones that played the heavy minutes. Four starters, 37-plus minutes. Jalen Brunson. Actually, I'm going to start with Finney Smith. 42 minutes played, nine points, four rebounds, three assists. Was all right. Not great to me. Again, allergic. Three of seven from the field, two of five from deep. Reggie Bullock, 0 for 10, had a donut nightmare game for him. 0 for 7, just unacceptable. Jalen Brunson, he was great. I thought he was really solid. 20 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, only 1 turnover, 7 for 12 from the field, 3 for 6 from deep, 3 for 4 from the line. And then Dinwiddie, 26 points off the bench. Sorry, I forgot about him. 32 minutes played, 26 points off the bench, 7 for 13 shooting, 4 for 10 from deep, 8 for 8 from the line. So very good there. And then Luka, 40 points, 11 rebounds, only 3 assists, which is partially telling and partially telling for two reasons one because of all the stuff i was saying about him not passing as much and two uh, reggie bullock and maxi kleba just bricking one steal two blocks three turnovers so he took care of the ball a little bit better 11 for 23 shooting four for nine from deep so he was efficient 14 for 17 from the line but again got attacked on defense like crazy didn't move without the ball at all no cutting, no nothing. The only play that they move off the ball with Luka is when he comes on the left wing and gets a little, like, double screen. And gets, you know, that's all. That's the only play. I've seen it all season. Let me just say this, guys, since the Mavericks are about to be eliminated. Uh, 13 for 45 from three. I already talked about that. Pretty, pretty sure I've covered everything with this game. And we're let's see, we're at the 34-minute mark, so I'm going to close it out with this. I'll give them their eulogy when they deserve it after the next episode, but I want to congratulate the Warriors more when they win it for the unbelievable comeback that they've had to, after two years, after Klay Thompson tore his ACL in Game 6 of the Finals against Toronto, Steph Curry broke his hand, basically missed a whole season, a pandemic later, and the Warriors are back in the Finals with the same big three, no KD. That's incredible. That's historic shit. 
We'll give them their flowers when they deserve it, when they get it, when they get it done, when they send the mass fishing. But the Dallas Mavericks, guys, I'm going to say this about this heliocentric basketball, so to speak. I know a lot of people don't like the conversation around this, but it took a lot of, I don't want to say maturing, but I grew up a LeBron fan, right? And LeBron always played in systems where it was revolved around LeBron on the ball a lot, him dictating everything, him dribbling the ball a lot. And having a bunch of catch-and-shoot guys with him. However, with the 07 Cavs, you know, we've made some parallels with this Luka situation to that 07 Cavs team. But that 07 Cavs team, the difference was they were a great rebounding team. They had size. Zydrunas Elgowski, you could throw it to him to get a bucket in the post. Drew Gooden, he was rugged. He could get a bucket in the post, get an offensive rebound, put back. Put pressure on your defense in the interior. Put pressure on them to, not, to play defense without fouling. That's something that the 2000s players did a lot better than these players. Put pressure on them to guard without fouling. And they did it by being interior players. It was just their skill sets. Where this is a more perimeter era. Everybody's really good in the perimeter now. But those guys put more pressure on you in that way. Regardless, not the point. The point is those systems. You know, LeBron and then Harden and the Nash heliocentric style of one guy dribbling and a bunch of off-ball players. To me, it always ends up lack. You always have the conversation of do those teams lack shot creation outside of that guy. Because then it becomes the conversation of when they don't make shots because a lot of those are, oh, you've got a bunch of catch-and-shoot three-point shooters. But what do they always say? Live by the three, die by the three. And you guys want to play it off like that's really not a thing. But anybody that's played basketball can tell you that. And look, I've been the guy that – here we go, personal anecdote time. So recently, when I was in college, I was in intramurals. And my whole life, I've been a point guard. And I used to be a little bitch about it when I was a kid. And I used to always want to be the point guard. I used to not want to go off the ball. So that's why I can I can see when I when I see these things from these stars. I used to have that ego, little kid shit. Like I'm not trying to be off the ball. I want to get and, and I still want to get my eight points. I didn't like catching and shooting. And sometimes I would go cold because I didn't have any rhythm. And I was a rhythm player. I'm a very much a, I'm a very much a rhythm shooter. I need to get different kinds of looks and just get shots up. And over time, though, as I realized. That to be a more versatile player, you need to be you need to challenge yourself to to do different sort of things and play in different kinds of roles, and that means play off the ball. And so when I got to college, we, our intramural team we had a lot of actual bruisers and good interior players, but we didn't have many shooters. I was I was arguably the best shooter f- for a time, and right up there with any of them on the team at you know top three shooters. So I started playing off the ball, and I remember my senior year in college. Uh, I had a lot of games where I was like 0 for 5 for 3 or like 1 for 6. And those were like the majority of my shots. And, you know, my friend would always give me, he would give me some good advice, but he would always say, if you're not hot, uh, shoot until you get hot. And there's some truth to that. But the one thing I didn't do that was smart, and that's part of the reason why, is because I was watching so much modern basketball. And this is why I didn't, before I got into the history again, and before I did all this realization, and is the NBA getting better and better episode, is... Yeah, keep shooting, but get different kinds of looks. Get to the basket. Try to get in the mid-range. Get closer, and maybe you'll get a foul. And once you see, one time I had a game actually when I was a kid in the rec center I was in the park, and I was one of the best players on my team, and it was a playoff game, and I was forcing everything. And I was like 0 for 7 or something. And then my uncle was there, and he's from the 90s. Like, you know, it was Cousin Showtime, actually. And he told me, go to, get, go to the basket, just try to get to the line. Once you see one go in, maybe it'll open up. Got to the line, forced it, just threw my shoulder in and chucked it up there. <laughs> Ref gave me the foul. I made one of the two free throws. And then after that, I had like 11 points within like the span of five minutes. Um, but that shit happens, man. It's, it's, it's confidence and rhythm. You see the ball go in, it does wonders for you. 
And I think that these kind of things are harder to pick up when one guy just constantly dominates the ball. You see teams go ice cold from deep, and it takes guys out of rhythm, and it kills flow, and it slows the pace down for me. I like it when teams move the ball fast and move without the ball. It's less predictable, as I said. It's less stagnant, and the defense can load up and scheme that much easier. With the Warriors, you can't scheme them. Is there so read and react? You know, it's very reactionary. It's take what the defense gives in a different way. And everybody can be a threat and everybody cuts. So you've got to always have a head on a head on a swivel. You can't just put 10 eyes on the best player. That's the thing. And a lot of these players, the LeBrons, the Hardens, the Lucas, are perimeter players. So your Luka is going to either come at the defense or he's going to pull up for that step back. And you know what I'm saying? If you can get a good a guy with length to put a hand up on that, you're living with that. Because is that over a 40% shot? I doubt it. You know, stats guys, pull that shit up for me. But I doubt it. And so when he's coming into the defense, you can collapse and cheat or help off who you want to help off. With the Warriors, you're not, you don't have the luxury to do that. You're at their mercy because they move without the ball and they move it fast. So I don't, that's why I don't like this style of play. And I understand that, you know, the Mavs don't have that second star, so they have to play this way, have to play this way. And, you know, Luka does this and stuff. But I'm just curious to see what's going to happen when Luka does get a second star, if he adjusts a little bit. Or, you know, they just try to go with the Cavs style of, you know, he just gets another on-ball bucket getter. We go LeBron, Luke, uh, Luka as LeBron, and he gets another guy to be his Kyrie. And they just have to make the big plays in the big moments all the way through the playoffs, uh, like Kyrie and LeBron did in three straight games, that they were this close to not winning, you know. And what I mean by not winning, I mean the series they were this close to not winning, not the three. They obviously kicked their ass in games five and six. But anyway, that's my thing, guys is I, I also hate playing with guys that want to dribble all the time because I used to be the kid that dribbled all the time. And I know that even though I can make good passes and guys like playing with me, I've always liked playing with me, humble brag, but it's because I'm, oftentimes I was unselfish to a fault. and But it depends. If I was on a level where I knew I could create shots all the time, I would be selfish. I would dribble a lot. And sometimes that can that can get guys bored you also have to think about the human aspect of the game and that guys want to feel involved and i know if guys are just catching shooters then yeah that's their job just get ready to catch and shoot even those guys need to be in rhythm but i'm not saying that brunson and dinwiddie and them didn't get in rhythm at all they did but i just think that it's very predictable the way that they play and i've explained it all throughout this episode so if you want to just quote me on this rant specifically you can go ahead and do that but i went 40 minutes for you guys and explained it Thanks for joining me tonight, guys. Now we're going to go to the live subscribers we know so patiently in the chat. Let's see if they can win another game. But the Celtics and the Heat, that's going to be fun. Must win for Boston. We're looking at that from a very Boston-centric view tomorrow because they got to win. Peace out. Good night. And we'll go to the live subscribers we know so patiently in the chat. Super Chats are turned on if you want to drop a dollar or a dime for your boy. Always taking donations. Peace. Let me know what you think.